Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, uh, we're wrapping up our So I Hope series today, and we've spent six weeks on this idea uh, that we have a reason to hope. And we need to be reminded of it. We, you need to remind uh, me. I need to remind you. We need to go ahead and grasp on to the truth that we have, a, we have a reason to hope. In the middle of all of the uncertainty um, that is life right now. And it's just kind of become this new normal that we don't quite know what lies ahead over the next six weeks, 12 weeks, year, um, to try to pinpoint that down um, has been a challenge, even with us just deciding, you know, we're, whether or not we're going to do our men's retreat or not, you know. Um, you know, April is, you know, just a, a couple of, um, you know, couple, well, not even two months away anymore, really. Um, and so the, the men's retreat is, is getting here, but it's like, okay, now we're inside of about eight weeks. Um, maybe we can feel good about doing some planning and going ahead and getting prepped for that because things have just been so fluid and just everything's all over the place. And this idea of just kind of, I hope so, has creeped in to our, our daily life, our daily thought process is certainly our culture, but that's not the way it should be for us as the children of God who are conscious that we've got a God who's with us, who's for us, who's, who's, whose promises are, are sure. And so we have a reason to hope. And sometimes you just have to on purpose look back, grab a hold of, and get a hold of that reason to hope and do it on purpose. We would love all of our hope to just kind of be more organic. It just kind of grows up and we don't even maybe know where it comes from. How are you feeling today? I don't know, I'm just kind of full of hope today. Everything's going. And so um, we would love for it to be that way, but it's not always that way. Sometimes in the middle of all that, we have to look for and find a reason to hope. And so we have those, we have those reasons. Let's go ahead and if you've got your version open, your, your Bible app, your bulletin, however it is you're gonna track with us today as, as, as we look at this. Today we're looking at, at the concept of hope against hope. That sometimes there's some spaces where hope, it's, it just doesn't look like there's really room for it to be there. But, but guess what? In Christ, there's always space to hope. But hope in God is what empowers us to, to truly move forward in the full life that God has given us. And we've launched with Romans 15, 13, now six weeks in a row. May the God of hope, let's remember that. As we come together, as we crack open the scriptures, as we open our mouths in prayer, as we begin to, to sing some of the songs that resonate in our hearts, that we are praying to, we are reading about, we are singing to the God of hope. Let us never, ever, ever forget that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so that there can be this excess of hope, hope just sloshing all over the place, hope just, just spilling out, getting on your neighbor, just just creating little hope messes 
all over the place, man. That that's what it should be, that hope should be gone. Here's the problem, is some situations are pretty hard to deal with. And then we can get, find ourselves in a place where it feels like we've kind of been starved of hope. And then in that moment, when we feel like we don't have something to hope in, all of a sudden we can begin to, to pursue and grab a hold of something that's just really false. It's not there and it carries us away. It's actually destructive in our lives. Years ago, I got to uh, um, be a part of, back when I was uh, in college, we had a little college retreat um, at a little retreat center here. And uh, so we go there and they had a little brook, a little stream that ran right through this little retreat center. And uh, they had kind of taken advantage of it and concreted out a little pool. It wasn't like a pool you jumped into or anything and, and swam in, but they just kind of had this little space there and the water would run in and it would kind of expand right there and then the water would trickle out on the other end. And during our downtime, you know, we got some college guys, um, you know, we're looking to, you know, mess with stuff, do stuff, uh, you know, get into good trouble, um, just have some fun. And so we go out there and we start messing with things. And of course, you know, you got young guys see a body of water. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to throw something in it, you know. Uh, you know, you find something and you chunk it in there. And then, you know, so we chunk some rocks in there, we chunk some stuff in there. Well, then all of a sudden we began to see that there was some life inside of this little pool of water. That out from the edges, out from underneath, and when something would hit that water, um, then these little fish, these little sunfish, little perch, little bluegill, little tiny ones would just come darting out at there and checking out what was going on, man. See if somebody new's moving in. They were the welcome wagon. I don't know what they was going to do. So, but man, we, we, they just, man, something new hits the water. They come check it out. They come see what's going on. So then we decided, oh man, well, we need to go fishing. And so there's just a bunch of these little tiny fish. And man, this was before the days of YouTube. Um, had we, we'd have been able to make some really awesome videos because uh, just like there's a contrarian move on, on everything, you know, there was the big McMansions and everybody built houses. And of course, now you see everybody wanting to do the tiny house, um, you know, and then people live in the tiny house and like, this sucker's tiny, get me out of here. And so, um, but there's just this move from, you know, things being too big to then things swinging too, too small. And, and just, uh, just, there's just this contrarian thing. Well, everybody is always posting the, these huge fish, you know, fishermen, you know, post the big fish. If you want to get out there and, and catch the big fish, but there's this little move towards micro fishing where people actually fish for tiny fish and like see how small of a fish can they catch on a hook. And there are these YouTube videos, you can check it out. There's all these people and they have this little gear and they'll have this fish that's like this big and the pole's all bent over and they're just like fighting it. And it's like, they pull it up and you're like, you caught bait, man, what is the, and man, and they're just so excited about these little tiny fish. And man, we could have had a, we'd have gone viral, man. This YouTube video we'd have made at this place is amazing because we didn't have any fishing gear, but we wanted fish. So I was in my truck, and, and so I go to my truck and look, and I got my tool bag in there, and in my tool bag is a staple gun. So pop open the staple gun and get some staples. So, and then for whatever reason, um, I had some string. I had some, like, kite string. And I'm like, all right, well, there we go. We're going to make ourselves a little, old, a little old fishing pole out of here and get a stick and get a string and a staple. But we didn't have any bait. We didn't have anything for bait at all. So we decided, you know what, we'll just give it a whirl. So we bend, bend the 
the uh, staple and make it into a little hook, tie the little string onto it, drop it down in there, and oh my goodness, all of these little fish would come in, and the, the fast fish, like the alpha fish, man, he was first one to the thing, bites that staple, boom, we pull him out, man, we'd have had an awesome video, woo, look at that, and so we'd have had our micro fish, and so we'd sit there, and we would do that, we had no, there was nothing to eat on the end of that hook, nothing, and man, every time we put it in there, fish, 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 I don't know if these fish hadn't seen food in forever. Somebody needed to give a little, some sandwiches or something. Uh, Chick-fil-A needed to show up and take care of these little fish. Something needed to happen because these fish were starving. As soon as you drop something a little bit shiny, something a little bit new, man, they were all over it. They were sitting there and they come out and pounce it and there was nothing life-giving whatsoever. But there was some place of desperation inside that I've gone fishing where I saw a big old fat fish in the water at the lake and I'd sit there and drag a good looking lure looks like a fish like looks like dinner bigger than those little things I was catching looked awesome and the fish just looks at it like man sit there and and drop a minnow on the end of hook man they just look at it man those fish they were hungry they were full they had everything they needed. They're like, man, that don't interest me. Man, I, I've, I've eaten to my heart's content. I don't need that other thing. But these little tiny things, for whatever reason, they were just pouncing on any little thing. And it had, there was no, not even a kind of promise of something that was going to feed them. It was just a little bit shiny and they got a hold of it. And folks, that is a, we can find ourselves in a place where man, that things have gone on long enough and there's been enough places where there's not hope and there's not this and there's not that and all of a sudden, a little shiny thing gets dropped our direction and we can find ourselves getting a hold of it and find ourselves in a lot of trouble and getting a hold of something when in the middle of what seems hopelessness, I guarantee God has a promise for you and we're going to look at what it looks like to grab a hold of it. So what do we do? Folks, we can hope even when the situation looks completely hopeless. Even when it looks completely hopeless. Even when it looks like there is no way that anything can shift or change. Let's look at Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Okay, Paul is writing to the believers in Rome. And just like I am sitting here talking to you, referencing scripture, referencing something that that Paul wrote, Paul is referencing scripture from back in Genesis to the the people he's talking to. He's taking what God had already done for somebody in the past and saying, hey, let's look at the faithfulness of God in this. So just like sometimes we think Paul was like forever ago, but this scenario, right here, what's taking place in Romans chapter four, Paul encouraging them, it's what we're doing right here, right now. Same scenario, okay? And so he's sitting there and he's talking to him. He says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. Well, faith is, is the substance of things hoped for. We've got to have hope alive in us to be able to then have faith for, to be able to get a hold of that. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So here it is. It says, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all 
Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. So there are those who, through the Jewish lineage, have, can trace their blood ancestry back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They can trace their blood lineage back to that. But Paul's writing to Romans who aren't necessarily Jews. Some of them that there that are going to be hearing this maybe were displaced Jewish believers, but the bulk of them are like you and I. But he says, you know what? Because of faith, faith is what connects us with God. Abraham is the father of us all. He's an example to us all. He, is, he leads us all. So he's the father of us all. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, we need to understand Abraham, okay? If you're new to this church life, you've probably heard of that, you know? If you grew up in church, you did the song, Father Abraham, as many sons. There you go. We got a church folk in the house. We got, the, got our church folk, know the song. So we understand Abraham, we understand that. But if you're new to this, you don't know, you know, you maybe not know who Abraham is, okay? But Abraham... Um, Abraham did not have his songs. Abraham did not have those moments. Abraham did not grow up in some sort of a churchy environment, some sort of uh, environment of this. Moses and everything that we know about Jewish worship, that came much later. Abraham was, was way, way, way before that. Abraham had a, had a solid dad, Abraham was it, but he grew up in a place that just had just pagan worship, just had nothing to do with God. But Abraham had a heart for God. He wanted to know who the one true God was and he wanted to know that with all his heart and over a period of time, God begins to reveal himself to Abraham as, as Abraham is there and um, in fact, Abraham's not his original name, and we'll get into that in a minute. And so, but so Abraham pioneers this stuff. He wasn't raised in it. He had no idea anybody would ever sing a song after him. And all of these years later, we'd know the the, the moves and do all that stuff. He's he's the first one on the scene with this after a lot of years after Adam and the flood and all of those things. When you look at Genesis. But there hits this moment and God makes a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And then in Genesis chapter 15, God's having a conversation with with Abraham. And Abraham um, says, you know, Lord, um, you know, I don't don't have any kids. Um, The the person who's going to inherit all the blessings you've brought into my life, it's one of my servants. He's, He's a great guy. But there's this thing of, of being a, f- a father. That's what my name means. Abram means father. And he's having a raw conversation with God. He says, God, what are you going to do for me seeing as how I'm childless? 
I'm childless. And in that moment, as he's being raw, honest, out in his fields with his flocks and having a conversation with God, God turns his eyes up towards the night sky and says, you see the stars? Your descendants are going to outnumber that. Just like you can't count the the stars in the sky, and unless you've been into some deep, deep ranch place, us in the city, anybody who's lived where there's ambient light, we have no idea how many stars there are in the sky. You get out on a deep ranch with a clear sky, no humidity at all, messing it up, man, and the number of stars will blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. And he's there on one of those crisp evenings and just the, the, the night is just covered in stars and he's like your descendants are going to be like that and he's having that conversation not as a newlywed 25 year old man going, Woo, I'm excited you know not as a 45 year old man not as a 55 year old man He has that conversation as a 75-year-old man towards the end of his life. So he has that conversation and his wife's a little younger than him and he goes back and he says, guess what, baby, we're gonna have a kid. And they begin a 25-year journey of believing God, of trusting God. And here's the thing is every calendar day that clicks by every season that comes through every time they have a new lambing season with his flocks and another year has gone by it's a reminder that this is not getting any easier it's not getting any easier in fact this thing is getting harder and harder with every year that goes by But it's there when Abraham believed that promise at 75 years old that God was going to give him an heir. God was going to give him a child. It says, and he believed God there in Genesis chapter 15, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. It wasn't that he believed that there would be this point of salvation and all of a sudden that it would be this thing that he would be forgiven by faith. It's that God would do the impossible for him and bring about that heart's desire and that God, and he believed that. And that is the first moment we see there that he was accredited to him as righteousness. And he begins this journey and he begins this 25 year journey. And so what I want us to understand is that choosing hope doesn't mean choosing to ignore the situation. It's knowing that God's promise is bigger than the situation. Let's go on and continue to read. What what does Paul point out to the Romans? What do we need to be pointed out to to us today? It says, without weakening in his faith, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. When this finally came about, he was almost 100 years years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead she was 90 when this finally came about but without weakening in his faith 
He faced the facts. Said, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised to do. So here he is for 25 years. He never parked date night. If you're going to have a kid, you got to have some action. You got to, you know. I know he had flocks and herds, but he also had to have a little bit of brown chicken, brown cow. He had to. He had to be telling. He had to be telling Sarah, "Hey, Sarah, put on that tunic. We got some romance, baby. We got a promise, honey." And she's like, "Simmer down, boy. I'm old. I am old." In fact, in one place, in one place, she she. <laughs> She has her own conversation with God, and she's like, God, I'm worn out. I don't know what that means, but she was done. She's like, God, I'm worn out. How can I now have a child? And when the angel of the Lord actually reminds her of that and tells her, she laughs. And not like, <laughs> I'm so excited. No, she laughs like, like, give me a break. No. I've been heartbroke after heartbroke. You understand how many months happen in 25 years? You understand how many moments of hope rose up in her in 25 years? You understand? This was not an easy path. We read it and we see and and there in Genesis 15 and we truck along and we read to Genesis 17 and all of a sudden things begin to shift and come about and and something miraculous happens and Genesis 21 happens and a miracle baby Isaac shows up and she names him laughter. That's what Isaac means. She names him laughter. Owning the place. That the place that she scoffed at was her ultimate joy. Because God was faithful to bring it about. And here's a place that that Paul is pointing it out to the Roman believers. The Holy Spirit is pointing out to this today. That sometimes against all hope we have to steal in hope believe. That he who promised is faithful. That is this place where, yes, there's situations that look hopeless. There are relational situations that look hopeless. There's physical situations that look hopeless. There's financial situations that look hopeless. There's stuff that goes around in our life that looks like things can't happen at all. But if God has spoken, that is the word we hang on to. That is what we hang on to. And we move forward in that, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That no matter how many promises have been given in Christ, you and I, our position 
is in Christ. So in Christ, they are yes and amen. Every single promise is for you, it's for me, because of what Jesus did. Not because we've earned it, not because we've been good enough, but because of what he has done. And it and it's, goes on to say, and by us, the amen is spoken. Abraham had to do his own speak amen. 75, he's given the promise. He has another encounter with God at 99 years old, okay? At 99 years old, God has another conversation with him, reminds him of the promise, and he's been going around for all of these years having to introduce himself as Abram. Hey, what's your name? Father. Oh, okay, cool. Where's all those kids? They're coming. They're coming. Every time he introduced himself, he had to say it. But then God changes it. Finally, at 99 years old, he has a conversation with God, and God says, you know what? I'm about to change your name. And after all that time, maybe he was willing to say, you know what, okay, God, you were promised. Maybe I messed up along the way. Okay, we're about to shift gears. I love you. Maybe that's, maybe that's not gonna happen. Okay, a new name. All right, what is it? Well, you're not Abram anymore. You're not father. You're Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. Now you're just not, you're just, your father multiplied out. And the, that conversation happened between him and God. And now, Abraham is the one who has to implement the change. Abraham is the one that every time he goes and talks to somebody who's known him for a long time in his 99-year existence on the planet, he has, they say, hey, Abram, and he's like, sorry, bro, uh, it's Abraham. It's Abraham. It's father of a multitude of nations. And that was his, so be it, amen, yes, that is, he implemented that. And it was when Abraham began to take on fully what God said that all of a sudden then, roughly nine months later, we see Isaac born. As the promise had been given all along and Abraham boldly changes his name and begins to own it and grab a hold of it. That is when we see Isaac finally begin to show up. That is a place where all of the promises, all of the promises are yes in Christ. But scriptures say, and so we say amen. Amen isn't just our Christian word for I'm done praying now. Over and out. That's not what that is. Amen means so be it. That's what it means. That's why we pray and we, we say this, and then at the end we say, so be it. This is, the, this is the direction I'm in agreement of it going this way. So be it. And so the promise has been given and it's yes in Christ. And so we speak the amen. We speak so be it. God speaks the promise, we say so be it. He says the promise, we say so be it. And that is how we begin to move forward and we step into this. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Abraham is the father of our faith because man, nobody held more unswervingly, no human being held more unswervingly than Abraham to that promise. See, hope gives us something to celebrate knowing that God is at work. 
As we keep reading in Romans, we hit Romans chapter five, verse one. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I love the new King James translation of that second verse. It says, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Here can be the problem is as we are walking out the, the, the distance between the promise and its fruition that we can begin to let some of this other stuff sleep in, seep in and get us off track when that is the season of rejoicing. Why are we rejoicing? It hasn't shown up yet because we have a promise. It's going to change. And we rejoice in the hope of the promise. There should be this place. I love that this morning we sang, I will raise a hallelujah when everything's going right for me. I'll raise a hallelujah right after I won the lottery. No. It's I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Why? Because there's times that the enemy is right in your face. And there's time that unbelief is echoing your ear. And that rejoice in the middle of it, rejoice in the middle of it, is us choosing to raise hallelujah, to say, God, I'm going to lift you up higher than all of the rest of this stuff. And I get it. I get it. It goes contrary to everything that is natural for us. I get it. That's why we have to understand this isn't putting our head in the sand. This isn't ignoring the issues. Abraham understood that Sarah's womb was dead, is what the scripture said. Her womb was dead. And he was believing for life to come out of that. Why? Because God promised it would you get into it and they tried to do it on their own created problems Isaac is not Abraham's firstborn but he's the firstborn of promise and there's an Ishmael that came about and there's still problems in our time and day because of Ishmael all these years later all these years later but God's promise is faithful. Romans 5, verse 3, says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Folks, when our bottom line is this. When it's hope against hope, hope wins. When it's hope against hope, hope wins. And we need to make sure of that. We gotta get a hold of that. And yes, there'll be the presence of the enemy. Yes, there'll be the, the, the chatter of the unbelief. But in the middle of us holding on to the promise that God has spoke into your heart, we hang on to it because he who promised is faithful. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.